0: But I think he hid underneath the console, like he made a little bed for himself, like a little nest, like a Vic nest. <laughs> he's oh, not—he's exa- not—he's not, hes not exaggerating. That's totally Vic. Right? No, no, yeah. Like we're like, where's Vic? Just look underneath. Yeah, here exactly. <laughs> You'll see a can of beans, and, a, and you'll hear him snoring. Yeah, okay. We got to get to work, guys. Come
1: on. He's wrapped up in his tail. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to Things I Can't Forget, the limited podcast series where the slackers themselves tell the stories behind some of their recently unearthed rarities. My name is Matt Wixon, and I am joined by my very good friend, JJ Loy. Hey, How's it going, JJ. What's going Matt? Oh, gosh, I'm good. How are you? Doing great. We are also joined by Mr. Dave Hilliard, as always saxophonist of the slackers as well as our very good friend all the way from the west coast glenn pine vocalist and trombonist from the slackers
2: so yes, episode three which means we're going to be discussing volume three of the slackers rarity series that's found exclusively on the don't forget the the
1: so dave glenn isn't the obvious choice for this record. Why do we have him here? I
3: wanted Glenn to be on this one. Close my eyes because I know that's uh, an album near and dear to his heart, and it also that Glenn was really involved in this one, um, like the the R you were work. Instrumental in this one, Dave. Oh, you were instrumental.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what was
0: what was different about this one? Well, for a while there, at the beginning when I joined the band, I was kind of bouncing between living in Massachusetts in the Boston area and going to New York for a little while there. And around this time, or maybe just before that, I finally committed to New York and uh, moved moved to the city. So I was available more. So that took a shape in me being probably more involved in, in the recording of the stuff. Um, and also uh, the art and direction and all of that, because that the cover in, in, of the record is my old apartment in Queens. We had so that, a we had a concept. Vic and I had a concept about what we wanted to try to get across on the cover and in the artwork. And we we had. The, I lived in this really cool old apartment with this crazy wallpaper, and I was like, "Man, this is the wildest stuff. We gotta we gotta capture some of this stuff."
1: Yeah, it's like a peacock feather pattern. It looks. Like yeah, it's almost.
0: pretty wild. It's like some '70s stuff that nobody bothered to take down, and it was <laughs> it was really kind of cool. Yeah. Um,
1: and like the the cover also has like it's, it's referencing like the Twin Towers, right?
0: Yeah, no, that was, uh, you know, I think a lot of, I was, I was reviewing some of the stuff today, the the record and um, the records just prior to it, you know, we were doing a lot of these, you know, we did a Chris Murray record prior to that. Mm -hmm. Um, We did like the afternoon dub, um, Slackers and Friends. There was a bunch of these projects that we were doing like little EPs and things that we were doing and, you know, working with other folks but this record definitely I think the song songs on it in the art direction was definitely we, we were deeply affected by the tragedy was that was nine eleven and um, in the wake of that, I think the music some of the music definitely reflects that, and definitely the artwork reflected it. It was a changing city the city was definitely it was definitely strange it was like a ghost town in a lot of
1: ways Oh, for sure, and I mean you can hear that in the songs too like yes. just just i mean not, I, I guess uh, like the vibes of the songs, but I mean, even directly in the lyrics, it's very much uh, the beginning of the Iraq war and the September 11th attacks. Correct. And and like the paranoia of the time, even like it's all there. It was
3: like a strange transitional period, you know, like if the question was the album where everybody in the touring unit showed up, like including Glenn. So all the, all the pieces were together Mm -hmm. and then, in Wasted Days, we did a sort of more Baroque version of that, although Mushlin had left and, you know, some people weren't as involved as they could have been in that. Yep. And then, close my eyes, it's, it becomes, uh, we're in a transitional period, you know. It was a really bad time to be in any into anything associated with Scott. that's <laughs> uh, true, yeah. It, it was pretty much the low point. It was the low point for, uh, for vinyl sales. It was the low point for, uh, for, for Ska. We had, um, we had trouble with booking agents. I was doing a lot of the booking. We, be, we had a longer-term project, which was basically a rebuilding project. I would go to venues like the Blind Pig in uh, Ann Arbor or the garage shop in Cleveland, and we would, we, they'd say, okay, you're doing, you, you guys did okay last time. Ska, not so much right now. You know, we just had three ska bands go in there and belly flop. You know, we're not—we don't want to really want to book anymore ska. So, would you ever and, go like,
2: "Hey, but we're reggae"?
3: Like, were you? Were you no, would you I would. Ever... I, would basically, I would basically make them a deal and be like, "Okay, we just need the little guarantee, but at the door. I want. I want. You know, we're going to do okay." And then I would work on through mailing lists and emails and like just building up our our core. And then we, when we did the shows, we stood on our own because we weren't. Part of some ten band ska fest. It was the Slackers, so you could say, look, it wasn't that that these other bands. It was the Slackers that drew enough people that you wanted to have us back. But it was tough, you know, because like everyone always looks for the quick fix, you know. When we did the Flogging Molly tour, you know, we were the direct support, I think, most of the time. You know, our agent at the time uh, went back to a bunch of the venues, the bigger venues, uh, and was like. Hey, the slackers were, they're just as good as flogging them out. They're going to fill up your room. <laughs> and it turns out that wasn't the case.
1: <laughs>
3: really? Yeah. So huh. it was like, so, it, well, it's, it's a classic, you know, thing. Well, you open for this guy next time you'll be the headliner, right. you know? And, and yes. it doesn't,
0: it doesn't always work out that way.
3: Um, yeah. So, but it's-
0: also, like, I remember that even for us, like, there were there were certain cities that were really good for us, and I think that flogging and Molly benefited. Oh yeah, for sure, they benefited. But, us. I remember San Antonio specifically, mm-hmm. and um, Austin, and, and places like that that we had been touring a lot in those areas and built up a really great uh, following down there, and we still have it there. Um, yeah. But I think that that was great because they all came out to support us. You know, that's always been great. Texas has always been great for us, you know. It, it was
3: de- it was definitely a lot of turmoil in the band, and it, and it was if it, if it, if there was a time where we where we would have stopped, that was definitely one of the yeah. Well, the several
0: members left just prior to it, and right? We had a new a new drummer,
3: right?
0: Um, and yeah, there was a lot of questions in the band, right? What, what 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 are we doing? What are we gonna? What are we trying to accomplish?
3: And and a lot of bands like the Pie Tasters or Hepcat, they basically were stopping touring. A lot of ska bands. Right. Like basically from like 1995 to 2000, no ska bands broke up because they were like, oh, we're gonna all be famous. And you know, even, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> ba- even bands from the eighties got back active again, right? But then after 2000, it's like, well, we're definitely not flavor of the month. We're not even, you know, if anything, we're having a negative, we're in a negative spot now. So what do you um, think that, that kind of vibe
2: had? Uh, what kind of effect do you think that had on the, on the record? We knew we weren't part of
3: a movement at this point.
1: (laughs) We were on our.
3: we were, I think close my eyes is the realization, the slackers were on our own. And if we're going to have to, if we're going to make it, we're going to have to make it on our own.
0: We always kind of felt that way, Dave. We didn't fall into the trap of as the support band for bands indefinitely. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. one of the things that we did as a band was like, we just have to go out there on the road and play every little town from here to there and, you know, win people over. With, you know, mm-hmm. whether you have like a couple people in the audience to a big show, it's like each each show is important because you're trying to communicate this music that we're creating to people and, and try to get them into it.
1: It almost feels like you guys are trying to just build Slackers fans. You're not trying to get Ska fans like or reggae like- fans or whatever. Yeah. So, Dave, I, I wanted to point something out that I, I kind of noticed while I was listening to this with intention uh, mm-hmm. earlier, earlier today. So I, a lot of this has to do with both the rarities from Close My Eyes plus Close My Eyes itself and Slackers mm-hmm. and Friends. Uh, mm-hmm. Because some of these songs, uh, three in particular, uh, are instrumental versions of songs that are on Slackers and Friends. And those songs on Slackers and Friends are sung by Susan Cadogan, the Congos, and Glenn Adams. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. One of these is also a Max Romeo rhythm, which you cover. You've also got Lyrian McDonald in here. It kind of feels like you're just building a black arc. arc, arc, arc.
3: I mean obviously they have roots right and they sure. know and they, they know a lot of things you could talk to larry about you know jamaican rhythms that were played in the country in the 1950s and he knows them right but it's like right. but he's not a he's not a archivist or a you know musicologist he 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 plays in the present you know he can sit in with anybody or play all kinds of music and i think that's with you know glenn adams too you know glenn adams always claimed that he was one of the inventors of new jack swing yeah you you know, and Larry played with, uh, you know, Soulfly. Uh, what was that? It was you know, like some some metal bands and stuff. You know, so it's like they were they they sort of were examples of 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 having roots in the music and knowing stuff, but then also just being fearless and be not being afraid to take what you got to anybody else's house too, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Did you ever get a sense that? uh these two guys in particular or or these others the the congos or susan cadogan uh Mm -hmm. do you did you ever get a sense of how they felt about your interpretation of this kind of stuff
3: they're mostly just really encouraging you know like trying to be be not be don't be afraid you know just make it good
0: and and people will like it
3: it is a, simpler thing. I think is they a were simple thing.
0: They were pleasantly surprised and amused that we were so excited to want to do this music. I think that they—they you know, <laughs> they like these these guys. I think they they mean well. You know, <laughs> take <right>. them under <laughs> our wing. You know, and uh, help them out. They need they need all the help they can get. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah. No. It was during this time. It was during this close my eyes time that I started hanging out at Glenham Studio. That's right. Like uh, the real war, the original. Vocal session for Real War was there and um, schooling the youth and stuff. But the vocals and stuff were done. I think Glenn did a bunch of vocals with him too. It was like the um, the the studio in there. Like you'd be sitting there. Like I I go there and this guy answers the door, and you know, sort of like who are you? And I'm Dave. I'm I'm doing a session with Glenn. He's like, okay, hey, I'm Dobby, and I'm like, Dobby Dobson, (laughs) 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 Mister. (laughs) <laughs> Mr.
2: Loving Popper,
1: he's like, yeah, man, and I'm like, oh
2: crap,
3: <laughs> I love you. <laughs> <Right>.
1: <laughs> oh my god!
0: <laughs>
3: you know, it's like yes, yeah, one. Of, that's one of my rocksteady heroes. You know, I right. love, I love right. his song with his song, Loving Popper's, is, is massive. Yep. And so that was, there was guys like that just around in the neighborhood. Um, so that was, you know. So these nice
1: these are all people. I assume that. Glenn is introducing you guys to then. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So for these songs, I guess I know this is a little bit cheating talking about the Slackers and Friends record, but like since there's this crossover in some of these tracks, were these songs that you recorded for those collaborations or things that you had planned on doing with the Slackers and just had sitting around, or, or how did that come together?
3: Yes and yes. Yes and All yes. Right. Yes. Yes and yes and yes. Yeah. All right the the most of the basic tracks were recorded at at Ira Heaps' place Noise uh, New York which was in a newer show so that's in Westchester so we go up there and he was using an even more um, obscure format than dat he was using ADAT he had two okay. ADAT machines so i actually don't have the tapes for these i just have the dats left over I, and if somebody has an ADAT machine conceivably we could calibrate them and get the original stuff to work. Although <laughs> calibrating the different ADAP machines, I, I don't know if you remember that real that session we did, Glenn. Mm-hmm. And me and Glenn were just like, you know, high five and afterwards, like, yeah, man, we really killed it on those horns. And then oh boy, <laughs> we had to recreate some horns. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I know if you remember the line.
0: Exactly. See, he knows. Exactly. Right. So good. so good. So good.
3: So good. We were we were so proud of ourselves. We're
0: like I think it's one of the best things we ever did. Oh my god, this is amazing. So you know, yeah, we didn't record it, so that's that's good. Yeah.
1: So speaking of horns, uh, this this rarities record opens. Uh, volume three opens with "Wicked Must Survive." Yes. Which on this Rarities record has the same horn part as Don't Want to Go.
3: Yeah. Um, I yes. think sometimes, sometimes we, we uh, would recycle lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we have recycled lines. Yes, we have recycled lines. Yeah, and it, the funny thing with "Wicked Must Survive" is we recorded it several times now.
1: Right, because it's also on Volume Six in a kind of a different arrangement.
3: Yeah, the, the the arrangement. I was I've been pleasantly surprised when I find these things.
1: I was like, oh yeah, I remember
3: playing that song. Cool.
1: Hey, Glenn, have you heard
3: have you heard this Volume Three of the rarities?
0: I heard a little bit of it today, I reviewed it, and it was it was fun to listen to. But I also noticed that, where we were kind of, we had that horn line, and we're like, well, we like the, we like the horn line, we should use it for something. And if it wasn't going to be used for that cover song, we might as well put it on uh, Don't Want to Go Home. Yeah. So did right. it just
2: happen to fit on Don't Want to Go, or did the horn part become the impetus behind Don't Want to Go getting written?
0: I think it was already written. I, okay. I think the song might have been and we just said we really like that horn line. We're not gonna right. use that version, that cover version. Uh, so let's let's use that horn line. We we like this we like the shape of the line, so let's uh I think we can write this over this rhythm. And, and it's just as easy as that, just plug and play, huh? Yeah. I mean like when we thought it it was a cool little hook, and we might as well use it not like just scrap it.
1: Uh what do you know about these different lyrics on, on the title song, Close My Eyes. Oh, the
3: res- the Resurrection version. Yeah, when I first heard that, I nearly fell over. It's, I, I, <laughs> I was like...
1: Do you know which was the original or why that was changed? Or is that's, it, the, the-
0: that's, the, that's the older version. Yeah.
1: Huh.
0: It's probably just a kind of like, you know, he has the notebook out, and he's just, you know, it's like a, a scratch vocal. It's like a kind of a place marker. Right. And yeah, he probably reviewed it and like, yeah, maybe I'm going to, you know, tweak the lyrics here and there too better, you know, articulate what he was thinking for the song.
2: I think it was Close My Eyes where you released a, like a five song demo ahead of it, correct?
0: Yeah, because
3: we wanted to have some new stuff when we were doing the Flogging Molly tour. Um, so we kept put out a couple songs on a demo first. Yeah. So that, that, that stuff came out about a year before the album came together.
0: A memory that I have, I just jotted down a few notes. A memory I have for the, for the title track of uh, Close My Eyes we were in Glenn, Glenn Adams' studio, Vic and I, and we were like working on the vocals. I think Q was there too at that point, moment. But it was one of those great moments where like, geez, we, we got to come, come up with some sort of counterpoint figure as a support part for the choruses. And I remember Glenn just going, you got to do something like this, close my eyes, I am gone. Like he just, he, he even like kind of like a conductor, just like the phrasing he just kind of showed, <laughs> showed us what he wanted with his just hand like that's the way you do it just that's a cool little way to support you know the song and i always remember him like kind of saying that try that i think that'll work real nice so
1: that's um, amazing but
0: you know what's interesting about that record A, a, a i that a, a detail about this record that i i think about is there's a number of songs on this record that are just rhythms right? They started out as rhythms on the band Knocked Out and then songs are written on top of them, specifically like Lazy Woman, Axes, Mm -hmm. you know, Deconstruction Dub. Some of those were kind of rhythms that the band knocked out. And then we came in and go, okay, let's figure out a song. gave it that kind of like jammy kind of approach, I think, to the the record because it's kind of, we're not sure what we're going to do over this. These are cool rhythms. Let's write a song over it. So it's kind of the opposite of how we usually write. Yeah,
2: that's interesting. I don't think it's come up in any of these conversations yet, but are you you all still writing in the studio or do you feel like that's like a waste of your your precious studio time?
3: Well, this time we had a little bit we had access to Noise New York, and Vic kind of just moved in there. Yeah, he um, lived there for a while. He, he was basically living there. Yeah. In some ways, it's it's the opposite of uh, Wasted Days, which has lots of overdubs, uh, big arrangements, and us playing different instruments. There's there's violins and all sorts of stuff on it. Right. Uh, and then this album was a lot more stripped down. It was decidedly that was the
0: that was the point of the record, right? Yeah, it was we a lot more.
3: We, we strip it down a little more stark lo-fi, uh, the lo-fi. Yeah. but at the same time vic spent a lot of time getting to there if that makes sense this was actually just a few sounds that he would tweak and tweak and retweak kind of thing oh. was yeah.
2: that because he was unhappy with uh how wasted day well, sound or was it just because you want to keep doing things that are kind of new?
3: oh probably I, a little bit of both you know I, vic always vic always you know, he has a habit of whatever was the last thing. He, he, after a while, he loses interest in it, so it uh-huh. becomes. We sort of have a cycle between um, you know, our more over the top baroque albums and our stark <laughs> albums. That that they sort of go in groups groupings, you know, and uh, like a, uh, you know, red lights relatively simple, um, and and not not so, much, so many layers. The question has more layers. Yes. And then wasted days has tons of layers. Yeah. And then Close My Eyes is very simple again. Peculiar sort of in between in terms of
0: layering. And then
3: Self-Medication, once again, we're back in Baroque.
0: Uh-huh. You know. Yeah, but you know, it's, it's like I'm thinking about the record. It's like, again, we were talking about the the rhythms. There's a kind of a lo-fi, unfinished aspect to the record, I think. Mm-hmm. That, that you know, it's almost like a, you're scribbling in a notebook. Like I feel like certain like Lazy Woman definitely acts as feel like it's you're just kind of improvising almost over these rhythms. And it's just kind of, let's see if the song emerges out of it. There's kind
2: of a, a noodliness to the transition sometimes yes. too. Like, yep. like almost like you're playing
3: like some studio outtakes and things.
2: Yes. Right.
0: Yes. Yeah.
3: Like some of those tunes, like about half the album is jams. It's not um, like some songs like been waiting. We had to out and we had, I think I'll stay away. We had worked out. So we had some songs that were more road tested which is what we normally do you know we usually play something for like a year before we record it
0: yeah old dog we were we had fleshed that out you know who knows you know right i'll say those were like right. regular yeah there's
3: like there was like five tunes that had, were fleshed out and then well, those were the demos yeah and then the five tunes that weren't <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs>
1: Glenn, you know what that is, right? I don't. I guess, yeah. Glenn may not even...
3: That's, that's, that's what, (laughs) we did it, we did it, we did a dub version of, uh, you really got a hold of me. And it was, I just really liked the rhythm, the way the rhythm sounded, and it was funny that we never did anything with it. Yeah, Uh,
1: right?
3: Yeah. We we even came up with an intro and everything. So that was... (laughs) you know yeah no
1: it, it seems like man that would have been a really cool thing to have heard and it's yeah just,
3: I I, just I, I suspect rhythm. it might it might have been something that we thought we were going to use for slackers and friends and it never got off the ground um oh, or I, I mean Vic likes old RB tunes I mean we all do so mm-hmm. it's it's qu- quite conceivable right that we were we were thinking of using it for something and it just or maybe we even just forgot which is also quite possible that uh yeah. You know, the memory banks of certain people in the band are not necessarily uh, reliable.
2: <laughs>
1: oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's, uh, the, that's what we're here for though, to try to try to make you right. remember. No, because we, we can't even...
3: forget. That's mm. what. that's one of the, the, the funny the fun things about listening to these dats is I never knew. I literally would just start playing and let it play and then you know, okay, so there's five mixes of I'll stay away. And yeah, there's the reverb is different on the snare on this one. And, you know, th- so they're working on different things and then popping up would be somebody I like, wait a minute, what the hell is that? There's an inter- I don't remember this at all.
1: <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's so, one of those things that just shocks you out of the, the repetition. Right.
3: So, so it got, it got my attention, you know, we recorded, um, and I don't think it ever came to light. This is actually part of the, the horn line that me and glenn were working on we were supposed to do a full album with the congos that's correct okay uh and it never
0: it just went into the abyss eventually which is a shame because uh, if i recall like i said there was there's some really good work that we did oh yeah yeah like, definitely. it would have been a really cool record
3: so did they drop the ball or did it just kind of
2: fizzle i think it was a
0: combination of factors
3: the part of it too was even just the like I think that we kept having technical issues too.
1: Was this all like new material? Oh my goodness! Yeah, we, all we new had material. Yeah,
3: we had these we had these rhythms, and me and Glenn were like putting horns on them and stuff. Yeah, yep. it was all there's there. I think there's three.
1: There are three of them on the Slackers and Friends,
3: right? That are preserved, and uh, it's like the for some reason the other ones just didn't. I don't know what happened exactly there.
2: So for a while there, especially around this time, it seemed like you guys were were really really open to to backing up um, other singers from Chris Murray to to the
3: Legends. Um, yeah, we but, did it. We did we did, we did we, like slackers and friends. It's like we we did a gig backing up Cornell Campbell, uh-huh. which was uh, that was a lot of
2: fun. Amazing. The second upsetting Ernesto's record, right with the Lou um,
3: Susan, yeah.
2: But I feel like that hasn't been like a major focus. Like you never really fully went down that route. Does that, was that a conscious decision? Where you like, let's back off of this a little bit?
0: I think we were benefiting from like the relationship we had with Ira, right? Because he had Jamiland and a lot of these Jamaican folks that were living in New York City, they would kind of go through there and say, oh, wow, my record's here. This is really cool. Because It was like the best little record shop, uh, reggae record shop in, in New York.
1: And he was just so connected it became to, like the, to a, everybody. A, a
0: place where a lot of like famous reggae artists would come through and hang out. All right, And we, and we, we would be in the basement practicing something. And they would go, wow, I, we hear ska and reggae music downstairs. And, like, and I think I was probably like, yeah, you could probably work with them. They're just down, <laughs> down below. Us.
3: They're, they're literally just downstairs.
0: Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> yep. the, the other person who we met during this time was Sidney uh, Mills.
0: And Clyde Chin we were working with as well. Right, really? Right. Uh, no kidding.
3: Yeah. What but, did you do with Clive Chin? That was on. That was on the question. Was uh, the Clive Chin tracks? Oh, for real? Okay. Yep. Uh, Feed My Girl was with Clive Chin. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. But with Sydney Mills, he he's the keyboard player from Steel Pulse. He he heard that there's horn players at Glenn Adams, and I think we got called down to do some stuff at Sydney Mills' place, which was also in like that Crown Heights, uh, Flatbush area. Yep. Yep. And um, wow. So we went over there and did some more stuff. Yeah, it was. It, it was great Like we were meeting a lot of people this time, just being around Brooklyn. It was. Um, like Shinehead came through while I was at Sydney's place. I yeah, saw. I saw
1: a video of Shinehead with you guys. I think it was one of your cruises. Oh man! Yeah. That
3: so yeah, that was a that was great. Yeah. That was great.
1: Yeah, that's so cool.
0: Such a cool dude.
1: So it it kind of feels like with with all this collaboration, you're just. I don't. I don't even, it's like the opposite of finding yourself. Like you're kind of just losing yourself in reggae at this time. It almost feels like. Hmm. The- huh, no! <laughs> no, you can, you can <laughs> argue.
3: Cause I think, I think there's, there's <laughs> definitely like. observation. Like, That's an interesting like, observation. Like, yeah. like the, like where the Beatles, I know that the Glenn and, and Vic can talk about the Beatles for, I don't know, 25 years, apparently. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, it's um, there's, there's definitely like a Beatles, uh, Rubber Soul, mid-period Beatles that I think we were going, going for as well. And uh, I think that was part of it. Like the lo-fi part sure. of the Beatles.
0: Yeah, I, I, can, I, definitely, I, I definitely agree with that. I also think that there was some other, it was probably maybe a, a couple of contemporary records at the time that people kind of getting, going back to that kind of stripped down sound so i think that there was also in in line with some of the certain tastes of folks at that time like yeah i guess be like record
1: yeah be, beyond the SCON reggae world that was record. like the the early 2000s did have a lot of that in a lot of genres
0: we were kind of picking up a little of that i think too if i if memory serves we were like yeah that's a that's a cool idea that was like know, a like hot time
1: for
2: rock
3: in new york too
0: was that was that rubbing off at yeah. all
3: yeah well i mean we had a i'm trying to remember the name we, it wasn't clear whether this album was going to come out on a hellcat. We were done with our hellcat contract. Yeah. So we almost went with another label. Uh, that was more in a, um,
0: that's right. That's right.
3: That was, uh, I'm trying to remember what was the, what was their big band? The AA
0: yes or something were on them. Well, the Walkmen. Wasn't yeah. it the Walkmen? or something yeah. like that? It was some of the, some of that New York, um, like the Strokes, those those bands. There's a
3: bunch yeah. of bands that would do right. that kind of stuff, rock
0: and roll stuff. Right.
3: right. So they're doing, yeah. And uh, we almost went with a label that was going to do that, but it ended up, I guess Hellcat got wind of it. And also that little demo tape got to their ears and they were like, yeah, I think we could do something with the Slackers. Yeah. And so I, they yeah. just
2: can't... got you for one more or did you? Uh, yeah, yeah they,
3: their... they got us for one more. Okay. And then and then closed my eyes pretty much right after. They were like, you can do We'll do another one right after that so, okay but it was definitely like a period where it was like it was really unclear because we didn't have a record label we were done with our mate our, our deal so it was like what are we doing get, what's the what, what are the we people
0: do we had left people had left the band yeah it was, it was a different different vibe different rhythm section um and we were touring nonstop. stop there are videos that i've watched of us and we look like crazy people dave the whole band is wild-eyed and we look we look like I don't know like maniacs. I was like, Jesus Christ, you know? My yeah. God. Yeah. Wild people. No,
3: yeah, yeah, it was it was it was definitely hard to worry. I mean, like the, yeah. the flogging Molly Tour was was pretty epic. It was rough. But, like I'll just say this. The funny thing about Flogging Molly Tour schedule, right? Was they wanted to make sure that they cat last call wherever they were, right? Naturally. So they so they had to make sure that the shows were early. <laughs> uh oh, David, you going to
0: tell the story?
3: Oh uh, no,
1: yeah, tell saying,
3: the story. No, I'm just saying that. It, so it's like we a lot of times their shows were were done by like ten.
0: Uh, Dave, so that, are, you, are you going to tell them when, when uh, Vic and I uh, we we kind of missed the show? No, oh, dear God, yeah. So they kept getting early. The
3: shows kept getting earlier. And earlier as the tour went on, it's like, it's like, Oh, curfews nine. Oh, curfews eight thirty. So you guys are going on at like five or I'm like, like there, it's like, you guys are selling the idea of drinking to a bunch of 16 year olds, you know, who
1: can't, who can't legally get a drink. What the hell's going on here? You
3: know, who, who are you, who are you trying to market to, you know? <laughs> so it's like these shows kept getting earlier. And I guess this is probably two months into the tour. Was it, was it Milwaukee in- or no Madison?
0: Madison. Yeah. Because this, it. it was quite a, quite an adventure, you know, because as Dave described, we were, these shows were so damn early and we, it was never consistent, right? It wasn't like, okay, we're going on at this time. It was, every day was different. And I think we would probably all suffer from kind of burnout a little bit. And then I think Vic and I were like, yeah, there's a, looks like there's a cool bookstore over here. Let's go hang out here and look at the books for a while, you know, poetry books and things. <laughs> so we're hanging out. And, you know, I'm sitting there going, hmm, we probably didn't look at the schedule <laughs> to make sure, you know, what time we were actually playing. How, how early could it be? I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's light out still. I mean, it's like, fuck, you know, 430 or in the afternoon, 5 o'clock. We can't possibly be playing then. I mean, it's, it's light out, <laughs> you know. So we're like I think, And then I'm like, I, I started getting nervous. You know, the spidey senses, I started going, ah, Vic, we got to get out of here, man. I think this, we didn't really look at the, 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 to see what time we were playing. And we're walking down the street. And all of a sudden I, I hear what sounds like the Slackers. <laughs> like, oh, they're playing our record. You know, to, to the band's credit, they, you know, they, it was sounding good. And I was like, wait a minute. That's actually the band playing. And Vic and I are not there. <laughs> And one of the guys from from uh, Avoid One Thing, he just was cackling, laughing. He was one of the one of the opening bands. He's just like, "Hey guys, don't you supposed to be on stage?" <laughs> oh God, you should have. Let's just say the slackers were less than thrilled with Vic and I. You could see the fire burning their eyes, burning fire fireballs at us. You know. So, Dave, did you did stuff. you guys,
1: Dave, did you guys do the entire set? It was, with-
0: the, it was the
3: it was the the great front line of dave and q
1: wow <laughs>
3: we we did the i remember doing the full that set and well, yeah, uh, we, we sure did uh, yeah we, i think we but that might be, been playing that when you guys showed up and uh and Dude, so it's oh man and so it's like and like you know me and q were just messing around because it was at, at this point where it's right. just like okay this is completely fucking ridiculous
1: <laughs> and um moments, you
3: know. and so, so so i would i would solo off one mic and then i ran over and took a second solo on the keyboard which we had set, set up so I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and then i ran back and i think the eq took turns like running across
0: the stage just,
3: you know so my it just ended, yeah it was you know i'm sure it was very entertaining <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then we ran up on stage on a stage cl- uh with our street clothes on
3: right I, I think like, you got- uh, yeah okay I think you <laughs> got like the got last I left. Think, exactly. I think you guys got like the last five to ten minutes of the
0: set. Oh yeah. God, that was horrible.
3: <laughs> Literally, there would be curfew like around ten. We would leave a place around eleven. We would drive all night. Sometimes we'd have a, a hotel. We would drive three hours to a, a really cheap hotel out in the boondock somewhere, crash for, you know, seven or eight hours. Get up at ten a.m. and drive the remaining five hours of the the tour that day. So it was really a grind. So after two months of that, we're, we're all pretty loopy.
1: When was the last time you guys did a tour where you were not headlining?
3: We did a thing called the deconstruction tour where we were part of a festival lineup and we were in the middle.
1: Who who was on that?
0: Pennywise. Pennywise strike anywhere. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and, um,
1: anti-flag.
0: Anti-flag. anti-flag yeah, right. Lag
1: that's... wagon.
0: Lag wagon. That sounds right. Yes. Lag wagon. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah.
3: there's a bunch of, a bunch of bands on there.
1: MXPX, card. Pulley, Yellow Card.
3: Yeah, that's All right. right. Yellow, that's where I yes.
1: pulley. All right. Yes. Yeah. I found, <laughs> found the okay, list and, Oh
3: yeah. Yellow Card was good. They were cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: so that's that's back in 2004. Huh. Yeah, cuz like I I I've, I've thought about like what just as a thought experiment, what kind of band I could see you opening for these days. And like I I there's not really a band I would, I would want to see you opening. Three
2: Eleven, Billy Joel. <laughs> <laughs> who
0: are <you're> you going to marry? <laughs> who you going
3: to? I I, 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 yeah. Vic would be so nervous opening for Billy Joel, though. He'd be like <laughs> a complete nervous. I mean, oh so god. much of Vic's. How much of Vic's vocal style is from uh, "You've Got to Be a Big Shot"? You, you know, <laughs> <laughs> remember the remember the tape? Oh my god!
0: <laughs>
3: I think this was around that time because I, I believe Tubal was in the band for that. We were, what, is, what is this tape? Yeah, what are we, we talking about? <laughs> we were out, We were outside, in the van outside of Philadelphia. If for the longest
0: um, time, that's what it was. Right.
3: Was. And, and we were popping through uh, different music. Vic was sitting in the back. And uh, I forget who was driving. But it was Vic had uh, re-recorded over this old tape he had. So we're listening to some stuff. And then at the end, we hear this little high prepubescent voice going,
0: for the longest time
3: you know i don't know 10, <laughs> t- ten year old vic or something had had, had made, i was I actually, it was actually impressive right like it vic, was right vic, kid, vic, try, you know. vic literally tried to climb over the van seats to get back and we're like i think <laughs> we just don't play like that. Held, don't play that we, we we literally held him down so he's like struggling he can't
0: move <laughs>
2: it's got to make it onto an album guys you got to get this you got to get this out i think i
3: I think Vic made sure the tape disappeared after that but it was
2: like
1: yes man so was
2: it It just him him singing it
3: alone was it it him trying to do the four part he was was trying to do the harmonies yes he had he had figured out out a way um uh of using uh bouncing to do the harmonies so it was very impressive actually that he was doing the harmonies with himself that's so awesome (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah so it was you know i would I told him afterwards, if you were my kid and you were doing that, I'd say, yeah, you, you should go into music. You, you sound good when you're like, you know, for a 10-year-old, it was pretty amazing.
0: Yeah. yeah.
3: But he was super embarrassed, even with you guys. Oh,
0: he was horrified. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <You'd> <laughs> you think know. he'd be over that by now, you know? I mean, and you're also dealing with like, you know, six, you know, six like black belt ball busters. So, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like some... A little right. bit. You you catch something like that. He's never yeah. going to let that one down. We're just yeah. going to yeah. mock him indefinitely.
3: You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's Play like out, yeah. You you know? We we smel- we smelled the, uh, <laughs> the smelled blood. the weak. Look we a weakness. Saw, was the water? Show him in the water. The That's right. The fear. Yeah. The so.
0: Sharks <laughs> coming around. You know. Uh, All right. Fair enough. <laughs> terrible. Yeah.
1: So yeah. speaking speaking of blood in the water, let's listen to a song.
0: Okay. That's good. That's cool. Yeah. I hear the um, a banjo because Vic had bought a banjo somewhere along the road. I think there's a banjo in that track. Yeah, yeah I was—I
1: was, definitely... was going to say I—I never heard that part of it. I—I uh, I wasn't sure if it was a banjo or a mandolin or something. No,
0: it's a—it's a banjo.
1: Yeah, I—I—I I, I don't think I'd ever heard that on the album cut, but I noticed that in this mix. And I, By the maybe way, it's there I, too. I,
0: I was reminded of that song that, that this is appropriate as Dave was describing that we weren't sure with this record with how what we were going to do anymore because we didn't have a record contract we were making this music so there was a kind of a, a sense of like this might be it i don't know right so on that song i don't know if you guys ever noticed it but this is like a nerdy thing that i'm i'm letting you guys in on at Please. the very end of the song i want to do a kind of like a beatlesque kind of thing where you you reference um another song of your past in it at the very end so i have a I have a lick I want to do a thing where we reference um, Mountainside and um, um, cooking for Tommy. So I play, and then Dave goes. So I want to do that, this overlap of two songs and see if anybody would ever hear it. I never caught
1: that. I never noticed.
0: There you go. We succeeded. (laughs) Right, I guess it was, yeah, it was very effective. Not at all.
1: <laughs> no, honestly, that is so cool. If I could have one more time If I could have one more time Give me one more I could have one more time Give me one more time If I could have one
2: more time It is fun that you mention that, though, because I feel like... um I think on the song "Close My Eyes" that there are lyrical references to other Slackers tunes, right? Uh,
0: they could very well be.
3: I'm not sure. Sure.
1: Okay. <laughs> Just well, saying.
3: yeah,
1: I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah. So, so. so you got to understand that sometimes my impression of uh, you know th- what the what's going on lyrically is like blah 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 blah. Close my <laughs> eyes, and now you know. go. <laughs> blah 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 blah. You yeah, know, so it's a. Yeah, uh,
1: wh- with everybody in the band writing songs, do you guys ever talk about what your lyrics mean? No, with each other, not at all. Uh, sometimes.
0: Sometimes we very, tell the very story. Rarely, which is must. It, it is a fascinating thing, right? Because if you're writing something and you're not really sharing with the other guys, we're only left to try to like figure out, right, what the hell you're talking about. I mean, it's a mystery even to the to, like, the folks that are that are fans. They, yeah, they, they're probably just as. You know, mystified I mean, by it as, as we are sometimes. Yeah, I mean, but with with Glenn, he tends to
3: bring in like a full, fully thought out song. Like he hears all the parts,
1: uh-huh. um,
3: so it's it's sort of dictated to you in that sense. But it's like the like me and Vic we 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 have discussions where it's sort of like what's my motivation here kind of things. So Vic asked me those questions like when we're what's going on, what's the motivation.
1: So okay. yeah, like old
3: so yeah. like old dog old dog is is. Is about the flogging molly tour um and it's it's pretty overt, overt overtly with the the waltz you know and i was also gotcha. in, and i was also in massive pain uh with uh i threw out my back right before the tour so i was like oh.
0: yeah that's right so vic that was fur- thinking
3: about shooting you at the time yeah
0: exactly no i was i was thinking about shooting myself <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was really rough too, man, because there were times where we'd just be, you know, you'd have to get changed still to this day. As Sometimes as you get changed in the van and you're like struggling because you were at hurt your back. And it right. was just like, adding insult to injury. You're sitting in an alleyway getting dressed and you're like, you're in pain. Or me just finding like a weird flat
3: spot in the club to hang out at. Right. And right. do my stretches. It's like people would find me and I'd just be lying in some dark corner, <laughs> completely flat. <laughs> Yeah. Wait
1: so so old dog uh Dave is credited to you and Vic. Yes. How, does that did you write this together or did you write parts of it and hand it over to him like how does that work?
3: I had uh the lyrics and a general melody and then Vic pointed out to me I was singing the the uh parts of it in 3/4. I oh. hadn't really thought about it. And so he uh, he he set the key to and stuff like and all that. Sure
1: sure. I mean, when you you mentioned something about like you know what's my motivation? Do you guys ever yeah. sit down uh, and, and actually? Wait, wait. I, was just,
3: I was remembering a funny story with the horn line too, uh-huh. because okay. I was trying to not make it too happy. Well,
0: what, what about
3: <laughs> <the horn> <laughs> <line>? <laughs> right, right, right. Think so it's it. like it's like we were thinking about it and we were doing this harmony in thirds, and it just kept sounding too peppy and too like happy. <laughs> right. And, and guns like, I was Glenn was kind of getting annoyed at me. He's like. What do you want to sound like? And he played the Garibaldi march. Yeah. And that was the inspiration for the horn line. Yeah, because the
0: dog, <laughs> the old dog is going to die in the end. So, like, it's, right.
1: I didn't even realize that either. <laughs> I don't know how I don't know how I've been listening to this song this whole time. You know, maybe maybe what it is is as JJ will attest, it, it, this is not my favorite Slacker's song by any means. <laughs> it's um, okay.
3: It, it's okay. I'm sure I've, you like I've, Glenn's songs more. I've That's said fine. it before. I can you know live what? With, uh, I can live with this.
1: If we're gonna go there, we'll just go there, Glenn. Yes. Close my eyes. <laughs> opens the original <laughs> album. Opens with. Uh, well, I want to say Shankbone. Shankbone. Uh, yeah. Well, however you want to pronounce that.
0: Nick messed around with the spelling <laughs> of it, but it's 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 Shankbone.
1: So Dave uh, just mentioned that these songs come kind of fully formed when you bring a song to the band, and the I was band. wondering if this song, uh, specifically the the parts where it changes from straight to swung and vice versa, uh, well, if that was the idea at the beginning.
0: That was the idea. Right. But I wrote the song because I was r- really, and I still am a huge uh, Art Blakey fan. I, I love hard bop and bebop, and I, I love those records. I was really into that stuff. So I wanted to write a kind of like a bebop, hard bop standard. It's it's kind of like Blues March, right? Kind of a march thing, exactly. And then just roll right into the sky.
3: Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's I, I was talking to Glenn about this, this album uh, earlier, and it was like, it's funny that this is one of the few, albums after Glenn joins the band officially, you know, with the question, uh, where there isn't a Glenn vocal lead on it. Yeah. But but he but Glenn's
0: all over the backing vocal. That's when I really, yes. That's when I was I was doing stuff, you know, on uh on um wasted days, of course. But this was like, yeah, I'm like, okay, I really want to do do more vocal stuff. And also I wanted to write a lot of counterpoint and stuff like that.
1: Uh, you sort know. of a call and response aspect in yes, the choruses, yes, exactly. yeah.
0: Exactly. And I was like and you know vic gave me the room to like to 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 do that stuff with that with that record um and then well, the, continue on to do that
1: you know? in the previous episode uh your bandmates were all talking about how you just kind of came out of nowhere with that voice of yours and they didn't even know you could sing for a little <laughs> while i'll i'll
0: just say this that i mm-hmm. I, I was you know a lead vocalist in, in in bands in Boston prior to joining the Slackers. And um, You want to drop some names? No, not really.
1: <laughs> Dave's curious uh, because he didn't know that, apparently, because he didn't <laughs> know you could sing.
0: Well, you know, it's funny how that works. You're we, sitting there, and I'm, I'm not, you know, whatever, but I'm like, I would sit there and go, uh, excuse me, like, if you need somebody to sing, I'm the guy I can help you. I can do it. <laughs> I can do it, but you know, it wasn't really, I felt like I really didn't know these guys very well when I first joined them. I only really knew Jeremy Mushlin, our old trumpet player from back in Boston days. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I, you know, I didn't want to step on anybody's feet I'm
1: until it erupted in you and you just stepped Yeah, I just of the stepped mic. in like, you know, especially
0: when, when Q Max, you know, it probably came as obviously a surprise for the fans, you know, because when Q left, I, I had to kind of do double duty. So I well, do yeah, there was a there was also two. a hype man kind of vacuum. Yeah, that leaving that, that you kind of filled, right? Yeah, it was that's it was a it was a learning curve. It's still something that I'm trying to figure out. You know, what was I mean? it's that not, an... it's, it's not natural to me per se. Okay. It's just like something that you you know you have. That's a role that has to be filled, and you know you have to do that kind of role. Um, and yeah, you know, for for myself, I have to kind of psych myself up into doing something because <laughs> it's really not something that is you know that is is natural I mean,
1: you, me. you seem like you have control over the the room when it's your time to do so you know like like it it seems like you just know when it's your time and you know what to do like it i mean i assume some of that is just the amount of gigging you guys have done but
0: yeah i mean it's trial and error you know what i mean you you know if it works something works you kind of stick with it i'm a vocalist i along with a trombone as a trombone player and that's the position I was found myself kind of in between two worlds. It, I'm in the vocal world of like Vic next to him, and I'm also like one foot in the horn section. So I just can't stand there and just you know sing background and do nothing. But is so it is like it in part ones... to
2: maintain kind of Vic's aloofness at all? Like is it part of like to 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 <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he has he has a role to play too, as as Vic, you know?
0: Sure. I mean, I don't Am think I he knows what that role is. <laughs> <laughs> right. No,
3: but I I think. <laughs> One thing I've observed with Glenn is he's he's like, right now you're getting Clark Kent, Glenn. Correct. So it's right. it's like, it's like sort of after Close My Eyes, uh, Superman got unleashed, you know, so he
0: was he was allowed to roam free, at least for a couple of songs <laughs> to set.
3: Well, it's, you it's know, kind
0: of Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing, right? Yeah. You know, a lot of people are like that, I suppose. You know, it's a, I just feel like you, you, you're put, you put in that position, you, you want to put your best foot forward and, you know, perform and do something. I,
3: I, I think, I think with Close My Eyes, too, and this is sort of adding to the, um, stress is, you know, once
1: again,
3: uh, Q Max, what didn't show up to the recording sessions,
0: yeah, in a uh, timely fashion, he missed a bunch of stuff.
1: There's
3: and,
0: a lot going on in his life at that time, so it was yeah, it was we again. There was another factor of this record is like very right.
3: so he so Glenn playing. Glenn yeah. jumped into the breach and ended yep. up right. singing. I think even Marcus has more vocal That's credit than bit. Q on it. Yeah, he definitely
0: yeah. did a couple of tunes. And I was thrilled because I, I mean I loved to I loved to sing, so I, I love to be able to do that. Um, so when they asked me to do it, I was like yeah, thrilled thrilled to do it. So yeah, be able to try to bounce between the two roles. It's it was a challenge. It still is. But you know, I, I welcome the challenge. It's fun. You know, it's in, it's interesting for me to, to be able to do both. You know.
2: Well, last time I saw you guys come through St. Louis, uh, I thought you guys had it like totally dialed in. I never heard he sound so good, and mm. you were even like doing some like live dub stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. So it made me wonder, like, were you guys touring
3: with like your own sound guy? At this point, no. no. Now, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. And that makes that makes a big difference. I mean, we got we got abused sonically on these tours. I mean, because we that were was something on on the bootlegs that I've
2: got every now and then. Um, you could tell that they had Q Max turned like way up over over Vic, and for for a lot of tunes, he was supposed to be just kind of like the the background. Mm-hmm. And I think oh, yeah. just like some people thought, maybe he was the lead
3: singer. They but, always thought that. Yeah, that was that was basically it was a perennial
0: problem. You know, you just by visually, he's in the
3: middle of the stage. He's and gotta- and he's, he's introducing the song. So Correct. correct. So you, you would just have him at some, and plus Q was deaf as opposed to, so he loved <laughs> having loud monitors, <laughs> you know. So, so it's like literally, like, he'd be rearranging, so many times I'd have Q in my monitor and he would just rearrange my molecules. It was like, oh, you,
2: know? <laughs>
3: it was like you know, of course, being on the, being on the side of the stage, the horn second's like, Oh, can we get something? The the sound guys hated us and they didn't want to deal with it. So it was just a, <laughs> and with, plus with the flogging motor, it was such short sets. So that was right. depressing. Like some days if the sound didn't get together in 20 minutes, it just wasn't happening that day. We were going to yeah. finish our 30 minute set going, Oh, well, that was that. <laughs> so was we had to, so we had to just learn how to fight through it. Don't yep. rely on the sound guy. Play yep. to the audience. All the, all nice. the tricks you learn. You know, Glenn doing blasts into the directly into the audience is partially a gimmick because he can play really loud, but also partially result of having
0: crappy sound guys for
3: decades. You know.
0: <laughs> I mean, it saved us. It saved uh, our butts a number of times when we. If the power got knocked out or something, and there's a show and people are standing there, because horns are an acoustic instrument, we mm-hmm. sometimes continue the song with the the, the drum. Like R would play the drums, and we could play a melody, we could play a, a horn line, and we mm-hmm. could you know we do something until the you know we get the power back. I mean that's happened any number of times. Mm. No, the we- famous one, the famous one is in Ireland um, where
3: we did it. I don't know twenty minutes. And yep. then in power, 20 minutes without power, and then the yes. power went off again. Dang. They had this alarm system to make sure that no one smoked. And a certain person from the opening band decided to spark up while we were playing. And so the power on stage got cut.
2: Just ruined
3: it. And, 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 and <laughs> so that, but but being hollowed, they had to call to the fire department. And the fire department had a reset button somewhere. So some guy had to walk over and hit, oh, hit the
0: reset button on the club and it took like 20 minutes for it to come back and we just kept playing we and then we, we it was it was kind of it was really interesting because then we we're like okay well we can sing we can do something right you know is you know, it in the audience i mean everybody's really great right over the years so they'll like they see you're struggling but they're like okay maybe we'll walk into the audience and sing a song like a, a, a cappella
3: right i think i think we did like you can do that we did cooking for tommy maybe we did wasted days yeah and and then we did there's this and the the thing that is we came back in and then the power went out again because the same jackass was continuing to smoke weed backstage and uh and we did we did a version of half the time that's
0: pretty
1: epic those are the kind of nights that people remember the best though i mean here we are still talking about it you know
0: exactly People still remind us of that. Like that they, they, they love that. They thought it was so novel, right? But yeah. it's like, look, the show's gotta go on, right? You paid money. Yeah. Right. We're here. We're not gonna like go, woe is me. Let's let's just make well, make music. We can make yeah, music. Right. We can figure it out. Yeah,
3: refusing refusing to surrender.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Is Don't, like give when a... Don't
0: give up. Yeah.
3: <laughs> which which is basically what we did around Close My Eyes too was a refusal to surrender. Cause every literally everybody's telling you. Oh, you know, ska was popular like six years ago. Why are you guys still doing this? You know, so that kind of thing. All the same shit. Those same people were telling you in 1994, "Oh, don't play ska." you know, it's like there's always somebody telling you not to do yeah. shit. Yeah.
1: Do you think I, you could, with maybe, all your
2: extra influences, do you think you could be a band still
3: without ska? Is it? Is it? Integral? It's kind of a it's kind of a moot question, I think, at this point, you think <laughs> because after after 30 years of history. It's like, yeah, okay, we could do the album that redefines ourselves, man. This uh-huh. one's completely different, right? <laughs> I hope you like a new direction, right? We could yeah. do, we could do that. We could do that, but it's like you have thirty years of history already, so it's like,
0: I don't know what, right. you know. We all really, really love the music. I mean, it, if there's I mean, a whole world opened up when you when we you know when you discover Scott music, it's a whole world.
1: So, Glenn, you you're on the West coast. I am. You yes. Know, right. Yes. Uh, like we, obviously because of these, like the conversations about these rarities and how they've even come out, the, like this whole pandemic thing is in the background, but like with, with you being so far away, it's a little bit bigger of a deal. As you see, you're like, your bandmates are getting together for occasional little gigs and putting out some songs. How, how are you doing?
0: Yeah. I'm, you know, I would, I would be lying if I said that uh, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. I mean, it, it, yeah. it, it's made me rather sad, <laughs> to be honest with you. I it's bet. a hard one. Um, but we're trying to work around that. We're trying to work, you know, doing, for me, like working on new music and overdubs and from remotely. Mm-hmm. And this light at the end of the tunnel, Right with this, you know, we're going to be back doing things this year. Um, but yeah, it's been hard. It's been hard. It's, it's it's been very, um, surreal and, uh, isolating, but I also have enjoyed my time home. You know, as Dave described with some of these tours in the past, it was great. Chunks of our life was dedicated to being on the road and living in a van, living out of your bag. So if anything, I've kind of enjoyed a little bit of a break, you know, in terms of just not being in the van every day, you know? Um, Sure. And I think it just, I think for, I think I can't, I'm only speaking for myself. I I would imagine that all of us are really excited to get back and doing what we love. You know, we, the batteries are recharged now, right? Our ears, we're not (laughs) to bang it, banging up our bodies and our ears, you know, on the road every day we're, we're, we're relaxed. We're, you know, health, healthy, you know, um, thank God. And, uh, you know, I think we'll be better for it. I think we'll be, you know, I think we'll be like recharged batteries and ready to go, ready to roll. Yeah. I, I think, think you're going to want to reach it, a new status
2: it. quo or do you think it's going to be like uh, time to make those changes in the band that you guys have always been wanting to make? I
3: think it's just going to be a, a slow walk back mm-hmm. to something. And hopefully we'll come back better. I mean, that's my goal is like that it's not just about getting back. Because, you know, the status quo before wasn't ideal in a lot of ways. There was a lot of problems. Right. You know, in May, we're going to be playing like some small parties mostly and socially distanced stuff outside. Mm -hmm. So it's like we're sort of going to take our baby steps back in. We're not going to rush back in um, and and immediately playing in clubs just because we can, you know, legally. We're going to walk back in, take it easy. And hopefully by the end of the year, we'll be playing something that resembles a show. (laughs) But, you know,
0: we'll, we'll just see what, what happens. Yeah. You know, I think that if, if anything, it's been the 2020 is a bit of a meditation for all of us, right? Like, you know, things that we may have taken for granted, hopefully we'll look at our lives and the the joys and the things that we love that we couldn't do. And now if we can get back that was, back to something that resembles the, a norm, normal life, I think we'll all value, value shows, value music, value our friends, value our family, value, right. God forbid, the slackers will value each other <laughs> as a band of 30 years and say, hey, you know, maybe we should, you know, whatever gripe or issues we have with each other, man, we're a band of brothers at the end of the day and we're mm-hmm. still chugging along, right? Yeah. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna treasure that and maybe we won't take that for granted. Because we saw what happens when the whole world goes upside down. Yeah, you know? exactly. So I ex- I'm excited when we get to play shows and we can see all our friends from here and there, and we can, you know, connect but, again and do what we love, play music yeah. and 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 bring happiness and share happiness with each other. You know, I mean, that's honest. It sounds corny, but that's really how I no, feel. No,
2: no, absolutely. That's the, actually the kind of like poignant topper that Marcus couldn't stick last week.
3: So I think. Uh... <laughs> he's a bit of a politician our Glenn. he's Mm. good like he's good like that on behalf of the commonwealth of massachusetts (laughs) exactly he just he knows how to sum something sum everything up glenn in uh i try i try
2: Don't forget that all of these tracks that we've discussed tonight can be found uh, on Volume Three of the Slackers Rarities at theslackers.bandcamp.com. And uh, I want to thank you guys for joining us. I I had a good time.
0: Okay. Good night. All right. Take care, guys. Thanks again. I appreciate this.
1: (laughs) On behalf of myself and JJ and Dave and Glenn, goodbye. We'll see you next time.